In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed, grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you what this little jingle is from. Let's see if, if you recognize it, okay? It goes like this. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away all those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail, and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail, and your third fiancé didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Now, you're either someone who's in their late 30s and older, or you watch Netflix if you know what that's from. What is that from? Yep, it's from Cheers. It was a sitcom that ran for 11 years from 1983 to 1994. It's already past 25 years old. Uh, it is arguably the most revered sitcom in the United States still today. It was, uh, the setting was in Boston at a little pub where a set of characters showed up every day for socializing and for doing life together. And, and you, you have to ask, what made that show so warm and appealing? And it was also very funny. I think it has to do with something like this. We are all made to be a part of some group, to find some secure identity of being in a place. Like the song says, where everybody knows your name, they're glad you came and you can share your troubles. I would say just the same. Uh, we, we, the family is God's institution to be a place bigger than an individual. But he also made us to be part of something even a little bigger than the family. And that something, though, is not a corner pub or an exercise group or some other hobby group. That actually something that's supposed to be at the top of the list of some group bigger that we're a part of is the church. Yeah, the people. Not just a place or not just a denomination or not just an independent congregation with a name, but a, 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 the church of Jesus Christ, the holy Christian church that has real people in real meeting places. And it satisfies a deep need and, a, and, it, and it does a great work in the heart and the life of people. And it's God's invention. The word church means called out from in its original. That it does appear in the Bible. And it means a group called out from their various backgrounds and given an identity of their own together that is given by God. And it's used lots of times throughout the New Testament. What we get to do today is to see the first church called out from the world, given an, an identity of being the followers of Jesus Christ, this happened early in the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church after Jesus ascended into heaven. And it happened in chapter 2 after Peter, on the day of Pentecost, the Jewish feast where Peter preached the great sermon, where 3,000 people were baptized because they came to faith in Jesus Christ and they wanted the forgiveness of sins that, G that Peter said for baptism would give them. Then they gathered together as the church 
And they, they, it's a beautiful snapshot that we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And we're going to read it to you now. So we're going to read this with the heart, spirit saying, let's play church. Little kids love to play church because that's a group they love to be a part of if their family's involved with church. Well, we're going to play church today. We're going to talk about it, but we're going to play church in God's way. And we're going to see what makes church so wonderful when it's done right, when it's done well, and when it is growing out of the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. I'll read it to you now. The, right before this, the, the Bible says in verse 41, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is happening around the city of Jerusalem. Here it goes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I have to tell you, every time I read that little snapshot of this church, I say, I want to be a member of that church and I want to be the pastor at that church because there were a lot of people loving to be together and, and experiencing the grace of God and, and, and they experienced what you kind of saw in the sitcom Cheers, a place where everybody knows your name, they're glad you came, they'll love you just the same and they'll do life together with you. But it was much, much more. If you look on the slide that you're, you're, you have in front of you of the text, you'll see below it the three, the three, a sentence with three colors in it that, that come out of this text. And I want to show you that they didn't just play church, like focusing on the outer idea that it's a social group gathered around religious teaching at a certain place that has a community of members. Oh, it's much more than that. You can have a church. Many churches are just that. But this church, why was it so wonderful for them and the people that watch them live out their lives after Pentecost there? And, and you can see it. It's, it's written into the Word of God there in the text. And I want to show it to you. They intentionally gathered as Christians around the Word of God with grace at the center. I'll say it again. They continuously, intentionally gather together as Christians around the Word of God with grace at the center. Did you notice that when I read the text to you? That they intentionally gathered? These people, many of them, I could, we could safely say most of them were from out of town. And they were used to getting back to their lives back home after the Jewish feast called the Pentecost. But they stayed because they had experienced together the, the conviction of their souls by Peter's sermon that they had killed the Christ. The comfort of the gospel that Christ rose from the dead and declared them forgiven for killing him and, and sinning against God. And that their, the grace and abundant love of God would come to them through the word and baptism. And, and they wanted more of that. And so they wanted to stay and learn from these apostles because spiritually something had happened. Jesus called it a new birth. 
Later, Peter would say, you were born again of the word of God. It's a new birth. And they wanted to celebrate and live this new life and grow in it because it was wonderful. Did you notice when I read to you, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's verse 42. If you go to 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is intentionally gathering with people of the same faith. People that are Christians. Now, I just want you to let that settle. If you want to play church and you want it to go like this that you see here, you need to intentionally gather with other Christians of the same faith. There, there was a, 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 a popular figure in television many, many years ago called the Lone Ranger who went around by himself solving everybody else's problems. And he had a sidekick, which was a, an Indian named Tonto, or that he called Tonto. Uh, the Lone Ranger is often the feeling that people will have in, today in America that they are the Lone Ranger Christian. There are a whole lot more de-churched people that are Christians than people who go to a church as an interactive part of it. In fact, we're suffering terribly from a lack of commitment to the fellowship. But, but, but this is a highly negative thing for the human soul. Not to be part of a Christian community. Not to have a cheers in a church to go to. Uh, you'll meet a lot of Christians who say something like this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I, I got to tell you, inside, it's one of those things that pushes my button. I think I'm not alone. If you're a dedicated Christian or if you're a pastor, it's like a big hot button. If somebody says, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they push it. Sends a hair up on the back of my neck. I want to say, duh. So what is the point? You know, if you ask the, the wrong question, you'll get the wrong answer every time. That's a wrong question. It's kind of like saying to somebody, did you know you don't have to go to an airport to be an airplane? You want to say, really? Or you don't have to go to a gas station to be a car or a truck? Yes. And we know what people are trying to say. But it's an erroneous thought. When they say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, they're saying, don't judge me whether I'm a Christian or not, but whether I have a church or not. Okay, that would be a better way to say it. But you don't, when we say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, we're saying that's probably a better path to take. And it's not. It's a dangerous, lonely, scary path to take to not be part of a group. And if you experience, and you probably have, that's why you're tuning in online as a Christian. If you've experienced the fellowship of Christians and the teaching of the apostles' teaching in the body of the church, and you've come to church and, and you were empty and you got filled up by what happened there, what you were taught there, how God spoke to you there through the body of Christ, you know what I'm talking about. You see, you don't have to go to an airport to be an airplane, but if you're an airplane, you will often be at the airport because you need maintenance and you need fuel and you need to be taken care of. You don't have to go to a gas station to be an automobile, but if you're an automobile, you'll often go to the gas station for the very same reasons an airplane goes to an airport. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but if you're a Christian, you will go to a church to be 
fed and maintained and encouraged and built up and to also do the same for others. This group had their, their individuality that was like porcupine needles softened, lopped off. They were made loving Christians and they loved being together. And if you meet somebody that says you don't have to go to church to be a Christian and they're not intentionally gathering with other Christians, they have somewhere made a mistake and misstepped. So lovingly, gently encourage them like I'm trying to show you by saying, but if you're a Christian, you'll want to be part of a church, won't you? And then let them share their heart and their feelings and you help counsel them with your love and faith and why you go to church. That's what this church was like. It was a place where they're always glad you came and they know your name. We want that for ourselves too because we're made to be part of that something bigger. But it wasn't just a gathering of Christians. It was a gathering of Christians around the word of God. Uh, I gather with other people. You gather with other people in other settings. Sometimes our church is to us, because we're not guided by passages like this, our church to us is kind of like just a, a gathering place of religious people that are Christians like us. But for us, it's not got the focus. It doesn't have the focus of being in order to get the word of God. But this early church was all about the Word of God. It wasn't just some religious social club that happened to do good things for the community. Uh, it, it is giving the very Word of God. Let me, let me read to you. That's, was, that's what was the big attractant. You know, Peter had preached the Word of God to them and it had given them hope and eternal life, forgiveness of sins. So it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're asking those apostles, well, now what did you mean about baptism saves? And what's this thing called the Lord's Supper you guys keep talking about? And, and tell us how Jesus really is the fulfillment of the feast of Israel. And, and, how, and, and, and what about the passages that he said he fulfilled, like Isaiah 53. And teach us about grace and forgiveness and how that works in a relationship. Show us again how you don't have to keep the ceremonial law and you can have a clear conscience and still follow God. Teach us that word that gives freedom that we already have, but we don't have the details. We don't have a lot of knowledge. It says later in this uh, little section, they were, they were meeting together in the temple courts. And that was a place where people often taught the word. And then they, they broke bread together in their homes and they had glad and sincere hearts. They were always centered around the teaching of the apostles. Every church needs to have a robust teaching ministry or else we're not keeping our calling. Our calling is to teach the word of God in its purity and its power and its peace for the benefit of souls. And so when we gather on a, on a Sunday morning like we are online now, but uh, in person when we can, the center focus is a message from God's word for the day or a Bible study or Sunday school class. That's why we have it for children is to teach him the Bible and the stories that are true stories that put together the message of Christ in all the many ways that he teaches us. The Word of God is the central key figure, the gasoline that runs the entire church. 
And he wants us to remember that. It's the, it's the thing we fellowship around and we fellowship in the light. You know, John in his gospel, and he was one of the uh, disciples, in his, in his first letter called 1 John, he says, we were with Jesus, we handled him, he was the word of life, and that word gave us grace, which helps us to fellowship with each other. And he said, we walk in the light and not in the darkness. What gives us the greatest unity and that feeling of closeness that situation comedies like Cheers mimics is a word of God that touches each of us, although in unique ways, but often it's in the same way. It does the same cleansing, the same purifying, the same peace-giving, the same love-giving, the same chiropractic adjustments, and it brings us together. Later, the Apostle Paul would say, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, teaching, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good deed. You show me a church where they have a robust teaching ministry, and I'll show you a church that's thriving by God's definition and by their own experience. And even if they seem to fail on a lot of the, the externals, they're still thriving. And they know they don't have everything hunky-dory for the world, but they're still thriving because it's centered around the Word of God. This is what we strive to offer at this church for you and we hope it's what you're longing for when you come to us, whether it's online or in person. But there's a little bit more I want to show you. And it has to do with what that word is about. And I've been saying it, but now I'm going to focus on it. At the very core of the word of God and the gathering of believers. So gather with believers around the word of God. The very core is with an emphasis on grace, with grace at the center this was the special, unique thing that Jesus brought to earth that in Judaism was missing because the Christ had not come to fulfill the law. It's the pure grace of God that Jesus Christ in his own life kept all of the law perfectly and he, gave, he sacrificed himself innocently for us. And that even though the people that were here in this early church, in this snapshot, were the ones that had cried out 50 days earlier, crucify him, they now had peace of conscience because their guilt was gone because he washed them clean with his grace. The power of the word of God in the gathering of believers is its grace and its grace emphasis. And sadly, we all have a tendency in church to forget that. And so sometimes in a Christian family, a child is more, and a mom or dad are more upset that they wiggled and giggled through the service than they are about the message of God's grace for their soul. Because the religiosity of being together in a group and the social rules and mores that guide how we, we live and act end up being playing church, but it's really not God's cheers because it's about conformity outwardly and not the, co the, the core of what it is spiritually. And I just gave you that one example. So that we can have you families come to church. Today you're coming online. But come to church crabby and grumpy and come and sit down and hear a message and sing songs and say prayers. Get right back in the car and stay crabby and grumpy all the way home. Because we weren't really centered around the grace. We can have teachers in the church that think that reforming people's lives and improving their behavior and making sure they have a greater 
peaceful experience in their family by constantly giving them relevant messages without them being grace-powered, central, centered on grace messages. And we can actually preach ourselves into being a church that's not thriving anymore, that's not this church. And the evidence of them having it centered around grace was in the way they lived already. It says they had glad. This is in verse 46. They broke bread in their homes and, to, and, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad's a beautiful word to, that means happy, joyful. Sincere means not too opinioned. You don't have two opinions, but, but whole, integrated it's, 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 they were sincere. They were honestly one with God and one with each other. And they weren't just going through the motions. It's that sense of, uh, they really wanted to be together because they wanted what they got there and they, and that what they got there freed them from guilt and shame and, and deceit and all the things that come from a life without Jesus Christ. It freed them from all of that because he was preached into their hearts. They had glad and sincere hearts. A glad and sincere person is impossible to miss. If you spend any time around them at all, you know there's something different. You may not, at the, on that day, want to ask. You may just assume it's because they're a Christian. Or you may ask them. But you, you see a glad and sincere Christian and a glad and sincere church because it's centered around grace and it's impossible to miss. And it's what is attractive. It says here that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the last line. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. After it says they had glad and sincere hearts. They... They had favor in that community because the community saw the love they were sharing. I've, I've completely overshadowed that. It's in the text that they sold possessions to, in order to take care of the needs of people. The, the apostles were still doing miracles like Jesus had done, and that brought attention. And they were always miracles of mercy. They weren't just magic shows. And they were blessing the community by alleviating pain and suffering and taking care of one another by even selling property and possessions to take care of one another. Remember, there's a lot of out-of-towners, a lot more than the people from Jerusalem that were Christians. And they did this with glad and sincere hearts. Their life was what we'd always wanted it to be because Christ was at the center and it attracted people. Now you see where I'm going. Cheers, if you look at cheers, and you think about what it was, People will go to the set. There's a, there is a, a bar that Cheers is based on in Boston that uh, looks similar to the set. And then later, somebody made a bar that's a, a replica of the set. And so if you visit Boston, you can go to either one of those places, both of those places, and feel like you're in, the, in, the play, in Cheers. There's even some cutouts of the characters that, that played that they put in those, those uh, bars so you can get a picture taken with them. But what made Cheers so much of a joyful place with its opening song right to the end was that group of people that were in that bar. It wasn't the bar. It was the people. It was the characters that they drew up that were colorful 
and flawed and took care of one another. It didn't have a, a, a strong spiritual message. In fact, many times it was, it was way off. Um, interestingly enough, Woody uh, plays a character in the, Woody Harrelson in, in, the, in the bar that's supposed to be a Lutheran Christian. And the writers and the actors don't know how to say the word synod. So they, they keep saying, and it's not part of the joke, that he's part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod which is kind of hilarious. Um, but what my point is, by the t- telling you about the characters, is that I could name any of those characters and you might get a little smile on your face because they are what attracted you back to that episode, the, the, to watch that sitcom. And the Christians themselves, filled with the Word of God, centered on grace of, the grace of Jesus Christ, those are the ones that attract people. That's what makes a church grow organically. Let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. We can get lost focusing on how good our online service is, how good our building presents itself, how wonderful and stylish, whatever that means, the music is and the songs. We can get focused on externals, Many church leaders worry a lot about taking the denominational name out of the name of their church because it's a stumbling block for so many that they're trying to attract. We can get focused on all those things and we can use common sense about things like that. But let us not believe in our heart that that's really what makes a church attractive or healthy. People are not stupid. When they come into a church... They are intuitively looking for glad and sincere hearts of people that are spiritually and mentally healthy. And you and I know that that's achieved through Jesus Christ. That's what happened here. This was a spiritually healthy church, albeit it was very young as a group and a called out of the world to be together. They had their, their foibles and their black eyes later This same church ended up in a big argument over the distribution of food to the widows of the of the group. And they had to get uh, conflict resolution going and get seven spiritual men to be deacons to take care of it. They had their trouble with people starting to teach weird and strange things. They had their problems, but the core of their leadership, the apostles and the the Christians gathered around them was the grace of Christ in the word of God by intentionally gathering together. So here's my question. What are you looking for? You're looking for a church that gathers intentionally around the word of God centering on the grace of Jesus Christ. You keep Demanding that. You keep seeking that. And you keep frequenting your church. To get filled up. With the word of God centered on grace. And you keep using your gifts. To share it with other people. And you'll be that place. Where. Everyone's glad you came. Where they know your name. And where your troubles. And your solutions are all the same. And you'll live. In the set. Called the church which is God's cheers. I want that, and I know you want that too. God grant it to you through Jesus Christ. Amen.